You are tuning in to On The Money with Dynamic Funds, a podcast series that delivers access to some of the industry's most experienced active managers and thought leaders. We're sitting down to ask them the pertinent questions to find out their insights on the market environment and navigating the investment landscape. Welcome and thanks for joining us at On The Money. I'm your host, Mark Brisley. It's a timely and topical discussion for this podcast today, as we've seen shares of small and mid-cap companies on a roll during the last 12 months. A large part of this rally has been attributed to the more recent economic recovery over the past few months, which many market and economic outlooks signal will directly benefit small and mid-sized companies as they stand to benefit from investor confidence. And despite arguably peaking in March of this year, particularly referring to small caps, there seems to be a lot more room to run in this space. Small caps are in a unique position and proved in 2020 the ability to adapt to market uncertainty. My guest for the discussion today is Vice President Portfolio Manager Vishal Patel here at Dynamic Funds. And throughout his more than 15 years of industry experience, he's covered a broad range of companies across multiple industries. Vishal is a growth-oriented manager who employs deep fundamental analysis to select best-in-class, sustainable growth companies. Today, we're going to focus particularly on the Canadian small cap space and companies and the Dynamic Power Small Cap Fund, which Vishal runs. And Vishal, it's great to have you with us once again today. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with, is this, in your opinion, a particularly good time to add small caps to a portfolio or should investors really consider always having a small cap component in a well-diversified portfolio? That's a good question. Uh, The way I would frame it is I think that you should always have a little bit of small cap in your portfolio. But right now, you should maybe have a little bit even more. Uh, And the reason I'm saying that is that I believe that we're in the early part of an economic cycle. When you're in the early part of an economic cycle, you want to participate in small cap companies and the growth that some of these small cap companies provide. But as we move through the mid-cycle, late cycle, and then another recession, I think that small caps also provide a very strong diversification benefit. But the reason right now why I think it's extremely timely to say be overweight small cap versus just having a neutral position is I'm seeing a lot of new innovative companies come to the marketplace. There's a lot of M&A activity. There's a lot of private equity interest. There's a lot of consolidation happening. So the smaller companies are buying monum and pops. The larger companies are buying small companies. Private equity companies uh, are taking small companies private. So it's a very active market. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of uh, retail interest. Pretty incredible rally for North American small caps in particular last year during the height of the pandemic, but probably more so even towards the end when we started to see uh, you know, the, the recovery unfold. Is the relative performance of this space tied to the reopening of the economy or even related potentially to the pace of vaccine rollout in Canada? Yeah, that's a tricky question. Uh, but the way I believe I can answer that, it goes back to earlier when I said early cycle, mid cycle, late cycle. So if you think that vaccine rollout and economic cycle uh, sort of kick-started from that. So we're at the beginning of the cycle, small caps will do well. So this idea that uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. So in this initial phase, you did see a lot of small cap interest. You saw small caps do extremely well. But as we enter this mid-cycle and then late cycle, I believe uh, small caps will do well, but you have to be more selective. Uh, you know, there's this Warren Buffett uh, quote, uh, you only find out who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. So I'm not saying the tide is going to go out right now. But longer term, if you focus on the right companies and small caps, I think you'll do extremely well. But you're absolutely right. Uh, You know, since November 1st and vaccine, you've seen a lift off in uh, small caps, but not all small caps are going to do well just because they're small caps. I think you're going to see more differentiation uh, within the small cap universe as we move from early cycle to mid cycle. 
So, Michelle, before we go any further, I think it would be beneficial to our listeners, probably some of whom are wondering, um, you know, define the small cap space for me in terms of what does that mean when we're describing a company? And then as a second part of that question, how has the Canadian small cap universe changed over the last several years? So when we think about the definition of small cap and specifically the small cap mandates uh, that I would focus on, the weighted average market cap would be less than uh, $4.5 billion. So it's really a small mid-cap universe uh, when you think about the Canadian marketplace. You know, the indexes, uh, whether it's the TSX small cap index or the TSX mid-cap index, would be companies that uh, would be considered as part of that. So the definition that we're looking at is weighted average market cap of less than $4.5 billion. In terms of the universe and how it's changed, you know, overall, the small cap index in Canada would be over-indexed to energy and materials. And those uh, sectors would represent uh, a large portion, you know, close to 30% of the universe in Canada. But that universe is changing. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're pretty excited about uh, the investment potential going forward is that there's a broadening out in terms of the sector exposure. You're seeing the introduction of companies in the healthcare space, in the technology space, in the industrial space. So there's a little bit more uh, depth and breadth to the Canadian small cap universe going forward. That's a great definition and great overview. I wanted to ask you then, when you start thinking about adding a small cap company to your portfolios, in particular, uh, you know, the small cap fund, what are some of the investment characteristics that you're looking for when making those selections? So when we think about our investment process, you know, whether it's large cap or small cap, uh, it remains the same. It's a four-step process. It really starts with uh, doing our qualitative work, our quantitative work, our valuation work, and then portfolio construction. But specifically, when you're focusing on small cap, a big part of it is management and investing with management. Mark, if you recall, we did a a podcast and we talked about uh, the benefits of co-investing with founder-led businesses, entrepreneurs. And I think the small cap universe allows for more of that. So this idea of investing in people, investing in businesses, business leaders, and next generation entrepreneurs uh, is sort of one of the big things that we're looking at. But I think the small cap uh, space offers uh, additional potential because of the universe of entrepreneurs that we're seeing in the Canadian marketplace. Yeah, that's a great reference to your previous spot on our show here. And uh, I would encourage anyone who didn't get a chance to listen to that to, uh, in addition to this one, go back and listen to that one as well on founder-led businesses. It was excellent. My next question is really a three-part question for you. So I'll apologize in advance for the complexity. But first of all, what areas within small cap are you actually excited about that you believe have good potential? What are some of your favorite ideas or themes in your fund today? and maybe a couple of the names that you're excited about. So let's just start with the two big areas and where I see the biggest potential going forward. It's really this idea of financial services and building products. We can talk about housing. I think housing is doing extremely well. You know, we all have this idea. We read it in the newspaper every day. You know, house prices are doing extremely well. People are buying homes, they're renovating homes, they're building homes, they're adding decks. So this idea of building products for home and home renovation, I think, remains a good long-term area to invest in. The second area where I'm seeing potential is financial services. Small cap financial services have the ability to scale. There's a large and growing opportunity. Some of these financial services businesses are also not just domestically focused, but they can benefit from some of the growth in the United States. So I would say the two biggest areas for us uh, of focus and where I see opportunity is building products and financial services. This other idea of uh, unique individual names and how we're thinking about uh, the future. So, you know, going back to this financial services idea, you know, a unique individual name I'll use, and I'll give you a story here actually, uh, is Treasurer. Treasurer would be the largest holding in the fund. 
But how we got to Treasura goes back to this whole idea of entrepreneur, founder-led business, being early. And this is the story of Brookfield. So if you look at Brookfield and you ask Brute Flat, why is Brookfield done well? He'll tell you the reason is George Michael and low interest rates. So George Michael uh, retired from Brookfield. He's got a family office, but he's the chairman of this company called Treasura. So Treasura was a spinoff from Brookfield. Nobody knew about it. So we took the time to get to know the management team. So it goes back to co-investing with great managers and entrepreneurs. So David Clare is the CEO of that company. He's George's uh, protege. We got to know this management team before anyone was covering the company in the Canadian marketplace. So here's a PNC insurance company that we believe is going to continue to grow, not just domestically, but in the U.S. So I think that there's a lot of these kind of opportunities, but you got to be early. You got to identify them. You got to spend time with management. And uh, I think that they have a long runway for growth. And the idea, if you can actually find a small company that's going to become a large company, I think that there's a lot of value to be added there. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And a question that comes up a lot is if you see a company that starts out as small or a mid-sized company that can become a large company, I want to know if you had an example of a company that you've actually owned where that has happened or been the case. Yeah. So Mark, you know, there's recent examples and there's examples in the past. You know, the two biggest examples in the past would be Dollarama and Kushtard. You know, Dollarama and Kushtard started off with a couple of stores and, you know, they are where they are now. And, you know, they would be considered TSX 60 constituents. But we're seeing new business and new business formation in Canada. So a more recent example of a company that started off as a you know, small mid-cap and now is actually a large-cap company, it's a Montreal-based payments company called Nouvelle. And you know, they got a market cap of around $12 billion now. And this is interesting because you know, we get to know the company, we get to know the management team once they're smaller. So we've done our homework. And once they sort of graduate, they can be included in the larger funds. So it's this natural progression and it sort of makes sense. And it's interesting to see because we sort of already done our homework. And if you owned it uh, when it was small, you know, of course you want to own it when it gets bigger, as long as the growth potential is still there. Michelle, when many investors hear the term small cap, they often get concerned or associate that with volatility. How do you mitigate risk when you're investing in small caps? You know, the way you should think about risk is really permanent loss of capital. And, you know, if you're taking this longer term business ownership philosophy towards small cap, you know, think about it as like private equity and private equity ownership. You know, that's one way that you mitigate risk. The second way you mitigate risk is really diversification. We talked about the index being over-indexed to uh, energy and materials. I think uh, if you take a more diversified approach, you know, have a little bit more technology, industrials, healthcare, you know, that's the second way that you can manage risk. You will have day-to-day volatility, uh, but I think uh, you got to focus on the long-term and you got to think about permanent loss of capital and liquidity of these companies. But I would say that uh, the best way you can actually manage risk is by having uh, different sector exposures. Yeah, and beyond small caps, you do, as a portfolio manager here at Dynamic, you manage larger cap Canadian equity and U.S. balance funds. How does being a small cap manager play a role or, or help you with those larger mandates? Yeah, so you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I would actually say that uh, you know, being a small cap manager makes me a better large cap manager, and being a large cap manager makes me a better small cap manager. And I'll give you two little tidbits here or stories. You know, earlier I just mentioned this idea of Treasurer and you know, Treasurer being a PNC insurance business. But if I wanted to understand Treasurer, understand the PNC insurance space, and understand the assurity market, when you look at our large cap funds, you'll notice that you know we own a company called Intact. So Intact is the largest PNC insurance company. So you know I could pick up the phone uh, and call up Charles and you know ask him about the Assurity business and he'll explain to me what that business is. He knows the small cap universe of Treasurer. So in a way I could ask David what's going on with Charles and Charles what's going on with David. 
because a PNC insurance business, whether it's a small PNC insurance business or a large PNC insurance business, has some similar characteristics. The second thing I would say, uh, an example I could give, um, we talked about building products and housing and how we see tremendous opportunity there going forward. The large cap funds would have exposure to home building, housing, housing products. So if you take a company like Home Depot, you know, Home Depot would be a very large buyer of lumber, would be a very large buyer of products from Richelieu Hardware. You'll notice Richelieu Hardware is one of our top 10 holdings. And so this idea of channel checks, you know, checking with the customer, understanding what's going on in the value chain, I think is important. And I wouldn't be able to do that unless I had both large cap and small cap mandates. It's really um, interesting that anytime you Google small cap or look on, a, on in the news media for a small cap story that you often get a reference to the small cap indices. And you know, a question that I've had often by investors is the index a good or a bad representation of the type of companies and opportunities that you can actually invest in, and in particular in small caps? Yeah, so I think we touched on this earlier, but I would say that you know, the Canadian small cap universe has a lot more exposure to energy. Energy is an area where we are a little bit more cautious. It's substantially overweight or over-indexed, like close to 20% in the material space, but I do see opportunity in the material space. We talked about this idea of building products, but you know, there's also unique gold companies in Canada and you know, Vancouver is very well uh, known for you know, this idea of materials. And I think Canada is very known for materials. But overall, I would say the index has a lot of names, right? The index, I think, has 235 names uh, when I checked yesterday. So, you know, you're not going to be able to own all 235 names, or that's what the index provides. I think you have to be selective. uh, And I think that there's selective businesses to own longer term. And this goes back to my comment earlier. You know, as we move from this early cycle to mid-cycle, you know, if all small caps did so well, you know, since this recovery, since the vaccine, you know, what's going to work in the next phase of this cycle and what's going to work longer term is what you need to ask yourself. And that's why I think that there's going to be more differentiation going forward in the small cap space. Yeah. And given the diversity of mandates that you actually do run, which cross from small and mid right up to large, when you take a look at the market right now, is there anything that's concerning you? Yeah. You know, in in terms of of, of concerning me, um, I would say that there's a couple of areas uh, that are concerning. You know, this idea of the SPACs and, you know, there's a lot of IPOs. I'm not against IPOs. You know, uh, we're benefiting in the funds from uh, some of this uh, new business, new business formation. I think it's healthy. I think we're in a bull market. You know, there is a party going on, but I am advising prudence. Um, And what I mean by that is you don't need to go to the party and do keg stands. You don't need to have tequila shots. You know, it's okay to go, you know, maybe have two drinks, maybe three drinks, participate in this party, participate in this bull market. But not everything is going to work out. I think you have to do your homework. If there's one big key takeaway today, more than anything else, you have to do your homework. You have to go out. You have to read 10Ks. You got to read 10Qs. You got to uh, meet the management teams, spend time on conference calls, read your original documents. You know, you can't just uh, read a tweet or, you know, read a Reddit post. And, you know, you got to actually take the time and read the prospectus, especially if you're looking at IPOs. Yeah. And there is so much news, so much easy access to information these days. It's hard to ignore what we've seen happen out there with you know the Reddit and Wall Street bets uh, issues that went on, uh, you know the lure of Bitcoin, SPACs, all these things that you're hearing out in the marketplace. Well, what's some of your advice for investors that are listening to this podcast on how you navigate these markets today and how important is patience? Patience is really important, and you know I think uh, having that temperament and you know being able to you know manage through volatility. You know we could just go back uh, what happened in. In March of last year, you know, I think a lot of people freaked out and stick to their plan. 
So this idea of financial advice, you know, I think dynamic funds invest with advice, right? Um, so I do believe in the tagline and, you know, I am a product of this firm. And so I do believe in invest with advice. I do think there's a strong role to play in terms of a financial advisor. It's an important role. I would say that it's a bigger role now because, you know, we just talked about all this activity, right? So I think activity is good. I think it's healthy. I think there's opportunity, but I would say you got to do your homework. I would say, you know, seek out a, an advisor, you know, go back and forth, talk with the advisor. And, you know, the quote, you know, I've used a couple of quotes in uh, today, but I would say, you know, the people with the experience end up with the money and the people with the money end up with the experience. Um, and so what I'm getting at here is if you can work with a financial advisor, I think uh, it would be recommended because, you know, there is this idea of, you know, speculative excess, which we're seeing. There is, um, you know, when we think about small caps specifically, you know, there, it is prone to some sp stock speculation. So if you can get help, get some advice, you know, work with somebody with experience, um, you know, I'm recommending that. Well, the last 12 months have certainly provided a lot of experiences for a lot of people around the world, but uh, as it pertains to uh, the markets and investing and creating portfolios, your insights were definitely appreciated today, and in particular on a, on a space that's garnered a fair amount of attention in the last little while. Appreciate your time very much for this, Vishal. And for our listeners that didn't get a chance to listen to our first podcast with Vishal, he is lead portfolio manager of the Dynamic Power Canadian Growth Fund, the Dynamic Power Balance Fund, Dynamic Power Small Cap Fund, which we've talked about today, as well as the Dynamic US Balance class. As always, if you would like to learn more about any of the topics that we discussed here today or any of the offerings at Dynamic, please do reference us at dynamic.ca. And of course, as always, we believe in seeking out the advice of a qualified financial advisor. I want to thank all of you for joining us in this edition of On The Money, and we wish you continued good health and safety. You've been listening to another edition of On The Money with Dynamic Funds. For more information on Dynamic and our complete fund lineup, contact your financial advisor or visit our website at dynamic.ca. This audio has been prepared by 1832 Asset Management LP and is provided for information purposes only. Views expressed regarding a particular investment, economy, industry, or market sector should not be considered an indication of trading intent of any of the mutual funds managed by 1832 Asset Management LP. These views are not to be relied upon as investment advice, nor should they be considered a recommendation to buy or sell. These views are subject to change at any time based upon markets and other conditions, and we disclaim any responsibility to update such views. To the extent this audio contains information or data obtained from third-party sources, it is believed to be accurate and reliable as of the date of publication. But 1832 Asset Management LP does not guarantee its accuracy or reliability. Nothing in this document is or should be relied upon as a promise or representation as to the future. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compound total returns including changes in unit values. And reinvestment of all distributions does not take into account sales, redemption or option changes or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.